ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 132, and this is a very special episode. You want to know why? Because this is Reddit Readings, and every episode is special, because this is the best show on the internet. Links to Patreon and our new YouTube channel are down below in the description or to the side or above whatever platform you're on. You know where the description and the links is. They'll be in there. Today we're in r slash pro revenge. It's Friday. So grab your tea or beer and your popcorn and or cheese meal and let's go. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're all geared up for a great weekend. You know, sometimes when I'm down here on a Friday, I like to get into the spirit of things. Sometimes I flick the lights on and off and just pretend I'm at a party. But our first story is from Amenadiel. Amenadiel? Something like that. I was unemployed. This guy scammed me. Revenge is still pouring on him. First and foremost, this didn't happen in the US. Some events might be pursuable up there, but down here it was mostly no man's land regarding the kind of scams I fell for. For the sake of this story, here in no man's land, we use the top level domain NML. My wife is a nurse. Back then, in the early 2000s, she worked in an ICU of a relatively exclusive and therefore expensive hospital. Specifically, she had to care for patients that had undergone cardiac surgery. At the time, I was working for a small company that was going out of business. The owners were retiring, we hadn't secured any important contracts lately, and in my country you have to pay for employees' severance. Unless you file for bankruptcy. So they decided to shut down while they still had enough cash to pay out severances. One day my wife calls me and tells me about this gentleman in his late 50s that had been on the verge of passing away, and after that close call he was so grateful and stuff. We'll call him Benny Lowy. This gentleman happened to work in electronic imports, which gave him access to incredibly convenient deals. Long story short, he was so grateful he could sell us an LCD TV, a store demo unit that had been used just once and we'd pay like one quarter of its retail price as long as we kept quiet because he was risking his relationship with the brand. It caught me off guard. I said yes and she paid. Anyway, the only TV in the house had been a wedding present and weighed over a hundred pounds. We were eager to replace it. I was naive, I know, but I thought being her patient she knew all personal data from this guy so it seemed unlikely he would target her for a scam. His father was a known businessman, now retired and approaching his 80s. Mr. Lowy Sr. was well respected in his community and wouldn't have let his son wreak havoc. 
Also, my wife had acquaintances in common with Benny's brother, a known doctor of another hospital. Christmas was approaching. She asked Benny, who had been already discharged and back home, for advice regarding the present she wanted to give me. A phone. He hooked her up with the best she could think of. Now, I can't remember the exact model, but it was one of the Sony Ericsson flagships, and it wasn't yet offered by local carriers. He had access to it because of his status as local representative for said brand. She went with it and paid. The job position. I've said my employer was shutting down, so just for the sake of it, she asked Benny if he knew of someone needing an IT guy. Of course, he said. I'll meet your husband at this place tomorrow, etc. And there I was, in a gas station uptown. He pulled over in a luxury car. Mr. Lowey was a normal-looking guy, used a cane and had a noticeable knee or hip pain. We sat down in the gas station coffee shop and he told me about a mid-management position reporting to him in a mining company I had barely heard about. He coached me on what I should say in the upcoming job interview. We spoke about salary. I was dazzled. Wait, mining? Didn't you say he was into imports? He was that kind of guy you can't pause to question because he'd already thrown something extra into the mix and this position had a better paycheck than the one I was being laid off. In the next days, we had a few phone calls. Stuff looked promising. I had already been laid off. We agreed he'd pick me up on December 24th and he'd introduce me to the senior managers as the recommended help desk junior manager. I woke up extra early, put on my best suit, waited in the front yard. Hours went by. I had planned to be back before noon to arrange stuff for that night's dinner because my parents were coming over. After calling him repeatedly, he told me that he had been assaulted and robbed. They took my cane and broke it on my knee, he wailed. Poor guy. I told him to forget about my interview for the time being. No, no, I promised you I'll, I'll make it up to you. Of course, since he'd been injured, he wasn't able to deliver the items my wife bought from him. That night, my mother asked me about the new job. I could not bring myself to tell her about the delay. I told her it was going to be fine. That night, I googled him. Nothing showed up except for some awards in the Imports and Customs Associations or whatever. He called me to reschedule our interview, December 31st. Again, picture me in my best suit outside my house on a summer morning. Of course he didn't show up. When I finally reach him, he tells me that when his car was stolen last week, they took his wallet too, which these thugs eventually dropped during another robbery, so now he'd been detained as a suspect for that. He hadn't been able to pick up the imported electronics on the customs office, so they moved them to another custody unit where they would take a couple of weeks to retrieve. That night, we went to my parents for New Year's Eve and my mother asked me for the new job. It's all fine, I said. I googled him again, this time with variations regarding his name or the supposed company he was getting me into. Not much showed up, nothing shady. The next call was like a week later. He told me that because he was being involved in a police investigation, this mining company had fired him. This was actually good, 
because now I was going to be interviewed to take his position as IT manager. This meant double my former paycheck and securing a position that would be a leap forward in my career, so I don't ask many questions, I was just grateful. All those delays in the end would pay off. This situation, as you have already figured out, went on and on for weeks. My interview never happened. The electronics never arrived. We'd lost our money, our time, our Christmas, our hopes. And I was still unemployed and I hadn't been applying for jobs since I had an offer that was allegedly secured. I texted him somewhere in between. I texted him, Why are you doing this to us? He texted back, If I wanted to, you have nothing on me. But if you stick with me, you'll be rewarded tenfold. Cue in the detective. Time went by. Eventually, my wife overhears from a co-worker about this patient in another hospital she was working at. Some nurses do work part-time at other hospitals. She had fallen for it too, but her husband was a detective. So a few hours later, we were filling him in on the details of the scam we fell for. Asking around, he found a third nurse scammed by this guy. Soon enough, he was detained. This time for real, and admitted to have been scamming people due to an impromptu invented mild dementia. This detective talked him into an off-court deal in which he gave us every cent back, but not my time nor hopes, in exchange for us not pursuing any legal action. This was a decent deal, because us, having failed to make a written agreement on any of these purchases, had at most a week to claim our money. By the way, the money with which he paid us, he had borrowed from his father and some from his brother, the doctor. Remember, this didn't happen in the US. This agreement is actually completely legal down here. So, I made a blog. I couldn't go for any further legal action, but there wasn't a non-disclosure agreement whatsoever. And I thought, what could prevent other people falling into this scammer's lies? Well, perhaps some Google results. I was in a unique position to tell my story without risking a legal backlash, so I created a blog on WordPress.com. Think something like this, Benny Lowy the Scammer at WordPress.com. It was a single post in third person telling my story. The site's admin, me of course, closing words were, has it happened to you? In the following days, that post's comments had a dozen stories much like mine. For each comment that deserved to be a story of its own, with due permission from its author, I turned those to a post with a brief intro. A testimony from Javier from X City. Each one eventually had a comment and so on. Since civil action court filings, as opposed to criminal courts, are public in my country, you can dig into ongoing class actions and recent settlements. I found out seven years later he tried suing the contact for WordPress.nml, our local fictional TLD, on the grounds of undermining existing past and potential activity for the plaintiff. I'd say that part is true. To this day, if you Google for Benny Lowy, that blog will be the first result. It has been for the last 15 years. The case of course was dropped, but he took it to appeals and then to Supreme Court. There's another entry filed under a different local court, promptly dismissed, and whose expedient closes with his lawyer apologizing to Automatic.com for any past or future inconvenience related to the case, 
and whose verdict rules Benny Lowy had to pay also for the sued party's attorney fees. There is a third suit. It was filed by his former lawyer, to whom he hadn't paid for the former civil actions. I was tempted then and there to set a post on this blog saying, if you wanted to, you have nothing on me. However, I have never attempted to let him know who's doing this. And you know, I feel sorry for him. But every time I consider taking the blog down, I log in again, today I did after four years, and see he's still doing it. Those comments I turned into posts, of course. Even knowing I'm legally covered, the fact that he's never contacted me tells me he's done this to so many people, he wouldn't know where to start. All of his victims or scams targeted are people in a vulnerable moment of their life or a rough patch. Unemployed guys, small startups looking for an angel investor, small branch salespeople pursuing a promising commission. Those who have, in time, reached a compensation or agreement is because Benny's now ancient father had to chip in. From what they say, his brother has gone no contact, but it's still the one they go to before suing. Most of the commenters leave their email addresses and I've been known of a few of them that have teamed with each other and succeeded in legal actions. But even if they hadn't, they have a place to rant and their rants are still the first result in Google if you look for them. Perhaps this is not a revenge, but it is my story. Only 4% of universities in the US are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. You know what most definitely isn't a scam? our Patreon. Four bucks a month for four episodes a month. There is a fresh episode on our Patreon every Wednesday or Thursday if Meto's done something again. But you know, you know, he's, he, it's always his fault. That's how we look at it. Go over there, check it out. There'll be links down below. Our next story is from High Free R.O. Fat. No drinks? No tip. So I'm working at this huge party-slash-concert-slash-miscellaneous event location, and I'm the guy responsible for refilling the bars with drinks every time the bartender makes an order, and also picking up the used glasses and pints to bring them to the washing station we have. In general, I'm the guy that helps the bar keep running there. Sometimes there's two or three of us in a shift, but other times not. There can be nights that there are five bars open and the place is full with around 3,000 people. Just to give you a taste of what the job looks like, when the place is packed on a typical Friday or Saturday night, imagine that you have to carry and deliver around 20 beer kegs, each with a weight of 65 kilograms, that's 130 pounds, and around 60 cases of beer and soft drinks, just when you start your shift. When something goes out at the bar, the bartender makes a new order that I have to deliver. And this goes on all night long, from 5pm till 6am. And sometimes, if there's any goer parties, till 11am. 
Also, just to give another taste of how big this place is, during a normal shift, according to my phone, I'm walking 28 kilometers or 17 miles. Where I come from, we call this job runner. The unwritten law there is like this, that each bartender has to give 20% of the tip they make each night to the runner, because without a runner, he would have no drinks to serve. Nobody can really know who is really giving the 20% of their tip, but that's another story. But every bartender is giving something, and usually it's a lot, and all sides are happy. There comes a new guy, and staff manager explains him the unwritten rule, saying exactly these words. You don't want to have a problem with any of the runners, so be fair. When you're doing this job for a while, you know approx if the tips you're getting is going to be good or not. Fast forward. Huge metal fest with all bars open, three different stages and outdoor bars etc. Plus after show parties. This place is packed like there is no tomorrow. This festival is happening every year and it's one of the best shifts. Even though a lot of work and around 17 hours of work, yeah, it's a lot, but walking home with a thousand in tips is worth it. So the new guy has a spot at a very good selling bar, was providing and delivering drinks there like crazy. After a long shift when everything's done and they do their calculations, he brings the money to the treasury, looks at me and says cold-blooded, Thank you, have a good night tonight, tonight was a good night to work, and walks away without giving me my tip. That was it, folks. I kept doing my job every time he had a shift at one of the bars like nothing happened, and I was just waiting for a fully packed night to come along. And finally, after a week, it was time. Again, the place is fully packed. His first order arrives in my tablet. Sadly, I was too busy to deliver. One hour passes. He tries to call me on my phone. I pick standing next to a subwoofer. An hour and a half goes by. A second order arrives from him. Didn't even deliver the first one. Oh, sadly, I was too busy again. Then, after half an hour, the shift manager calls me on the radio. The shift manager was last doing this job before getting a better position there. Hey, what the fuck's going on? Why is there no drinks to sell? Oh, I'm busy with the rest of the bars. The guests can go to the other bars. Are you serious? That guy can only sell water and everything else is empty. And then I reply, He can sell water, but no one tips a bartender for water, right? Small pause on the radio. You can't be fucking serious. He's leaving no tips for you guys. Yep, you guessed right. Oh, I'm sending this idiot home. it for this episode go grab yourself a beer and have one hell of a weekend i'll see you back here on monday and i'll be sure to talk a little more quietly for you till then guys peace out
it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.